A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I have one of my favorite humans on today to tell you about an amazing product that we both love. Why, thank you, honey. This is Milkman Mark Hyman here telling you about the almond cow, which I saw on those Instagram posts, and I thought, we've got to have one of these and see whether it is actually as good as it looks. And it is. It's actually even better because there are things that you can make out of it. Almond milk, oat milk. Cashew milk. Uh, coconut milk. Anything you want, you can make in this. And what's great is you have, there are fewer preservatives, less sugar, and then what you get left over at the end is this pulp that you can make into, can make cookies or muffins. So nothing goes to waste. And it's there anytime. So if you run out of milk, you don't have to run to the store. It is so amazing. We love it, love it, love it. So if you want to get your own, check out the link and use code Lara for extra savings. Approved by the Milkman. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A. I am joined by my darling, amazing, vivacious co-host. Kristen Williams, physical therapist, senior lit teacher, and amazing friend. Yay. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much, as always, for that beautiful introduction. Let's get going. Words cannot express how much I love you. Likewise. All right. Going right into, a, this is a question from Aaron Gray, Grace Yoga. Why do so many people hate dolphin pose? Because it's hard. <laughs> I know. She's so cute. So Erin is the teacher. She has a um, studio in Charleston, South Carolina. Make sure you check it out. It's called Grace Studios, spelled G-R-A-Y-C-E, a little playoff of her last name. And I'm sure she was one that hated dolphin. Um, so dolphin, if for those of you who don't know what dolphin is, it's essentially down dog on your forearms. And we do it in all of our lit classes. I do it with beginners. I, I pretty much have anybody try it. You know, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, just like any pose or any, um, any ambition you have, you, you're not going to necessarily get it the way you want it to be or in its fullest expression capability right away. And that's okay. It is challenging. And that is because number one, most people are weak in their upper extremities (laughs) where there is, they're dangling around all day. (laughs) 
yeah, we grab stuff, we, you know, we carry stuff, but that's using, you know, some of our arm muscles. And a lot of times people aren't using the connection of the arm via the scapula into the back. Those are your scapula muscles. Those are your shoulder stabilizers. They are also what we consider part of the core musculature because when we talk about muscles, we talk about them because of origin insertion, but we always have to look at their neighbors, where they connect, what they do. And every set of muscle has muscles have um, many roles. Sometimes they're moving, sometimes they're stabilizing in a strength form. Sometimes they're stabilizing in a dynamic form with movement. So the scapula stabilizers do that when your arm is moving without putting load on it. They help to move it well, the scapula moving on the back. But uh, to get that good scapula stability, we need to actually load, put load on them. And the load is through the ground and your body weight. So the first reason would be, I think people are not used to the, the demand it has on your shoulders. But the second reason, which also kind of is part of the first reason, is it is a big opener for your back fascial line. Think of putting on your feety pajamas from the bottom of your feet, all the way up your leg, all the way up your back, all the way to the neck and across your skull. That is getting stretched because you're creating an inverted, you know, you're, you're creating a triangle essentially. And so that peak of the triangle is your pelvis and everything on either side of it is getting pulled like a little tent, right? There's no wrinkles in the tent. But hey, if your hamstrings are tight, your calves are restricted, your back is restricted, dolphin will feel like a beast because it's pulling and there's not a lot you can do besides bend your knees and come up on your balls of the feet. Even still, it's going to pull because you've taken the length of your arms and shortened. You have a shorter lever. That is going to be more fascial pull. When your arms are out, you get a little bit of a loosening of that fascia because you've got just a longer lever and there's a little wiggle room. But when your forearms are down, that wiggle room is gone. So A, you could be feeling a lot of stretch that you might not like, but then because of that pull, sometimes it it pushes you into your shoulders more because they're not freed up. The shoulder is in almost maximum flexion, a little bit less, but a lot of shoulder range of motion. And then you got to hold them there. And that requires good joint mobility, really pliable fascia that is keeping an evenness. So you're going up into the peak of the pelvis as opposed to down into the shoulders, which loads them even more and makes people really miserable. So it's, can you use your, and then of course, if you're not integrating your deep core muscles to lift the bowl of the pelvis, uh, it can drop into your shoulders even more. So there's there's a lot that's going on and that's why it's such a very lovely and amazing pose. It's one of my favorites. And a lot of people will say they hated dolphin until they loved it and then they love it. What are your comments? <laughs> I mean, I, everything <laughs> you said, I was just sitting there nodding my head the whole time. I called uh, dolphin that it's the truth teller. I mean, it truly, mm. <laughs> you know, because of that that winding up of the of the soft tissue with the bent elbow, the shorter lever arm like you're talking about you take really the strength of the hands and forearms out too. So you're, you are wading into the scapular stabilizer. You've taken the biceps and triceps essentially out. You're, you are, you are weight bearing through your shoulder blades, your shoulder girdle, which are weak on 
almost everybody. I mean, and then yes, people like me who have some soft tissue restrictions have had a long history of it. It's so much better than it used to be, but in the low back, in the lats, even shoulder, you know, range of motion restrictions at those end ranges, it's just, it's, it, it highlights those deficits. And I hate to call them deficits because it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with, with me that I can't do that. I will, you know, if I'm working on a forearm balance, I will bring my hands together, you know, still lining my elbows up under my shoulders, but bring my hands together. That just unwinds some of that soft tissue, which allows me to get into a better shoulder flexed position. So I can get a better stack. And maybe one day I've played around with, with the forearms parallel, but I feel that that really forces me into less shoulder flexion. So it just feels a little more um, sketchy, if you will. So, you know, allowing for those modifications can help your, your clients to feel a little bit better in dolphin, even though, you know, coming into that forearm parallel is, can be, again, a better end range mobility check, <laughs> truth teller. And it is one of those poses that just the more you do it, the more you love it. I love funky dolphin because funky dolphin now I can open up my chest. And again, it, it allows me, it's a wider base support. Funky dolphin is when you have one arm out to the side with a hand in line with the weight bearing elbow. For those of us who struggle with some of the soft tissue restrictions, it alleviates that. However, you're now putting, it can be more demand on that weight bearing side. And it's really fun to then play around left side, right side. You can again, find more truth to be told about your body and where your asymmetries are. And man, it is, it's an endurance, you know, like you said, to get there's one thing to hold it is a whole other story because it is, you are putting more weight into the shoulder girdle. It's a little less balanced balanced by way of you can't put as much in your feet as a lot of people will with down dog. They'll put more weight in the feet, less in the hands, vice versa. This because of that shorter, you know, lever arm, you're, 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 you're diving down a little bit further. I love dolphin. I mean, I put it in the majority of my flows. I'm depending on my client base. I may or may not start a beginner with it, but I like to try it with them. Um, and then always, always, always give the option. If this doesn't feel good, you can do down dog. You can do a three-legged dog instead of a three-legged dolphin, you know, because we want people to feel successful. But, you know, if you really want to build true scapular strength, which we all need, dolphin is, is, is a money shot. It is. And, you know, um, I love your suggestions for you know, just trying some different versions of it that that are more suitable for where you are. You can just be on all fours. You could even not even be on the ground and put your um, interlace your fingers and put your forearms on a table and just let the head release a little bit and just practice pushing the forearms into whatever surface it is, whether it's the ground or a table or a chair, and just get that start to get that integration of. The serratus anterior, which is one of the stabilizing muscles and helps to protract to give you that broadness across your back. So it is a, in some ways it's even, you know, down dog is also, but it really, because of the shortened lever arm, it goes right there. You know, anytime you shorten a lever arm, um, that's why we're on the ground on our knees, you go right into your hips. Like there's nothing that's going to get lost in translation. And that's challenging for people because say you're in down dog and you lift one leg. 
that same person who could lift one leg in down dog might have a lot of problems in quadruped lifting one leg in a hip extension because you're going right into the stabilizers when you decrease that lever arm. So you could do just stay with your knees on the ground and forearms down and just pr- practice the the approach, you know, the beginning. Can you push your forearms down and get that connection into the scapula stabilizers, maybe hover the knees a little bit. That's challenging. Ultimately, when you get your pelvis up and you have freedom, it's actually easier than starting low, but that's where you can develop a lot of that strength. Keep at it, even if you feel like you dislike it. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, yes. All right, so another question we have is from Kapita Havaya Yoga. Sorry if I botched that. How can I really work on my hyperextended elbows and one knee? Another one is fine. Well, you know, yeah, Uh, a lot of people have hyperextension and um, it is easier to go into a hyperextended position because you can settle into the passive structures that will, that will hold you there. You know, I think the, the biggest challenge for people like you who have hyperextended joints, whether it's the knee or the elbows is to find a straight position. So it'll feel bent to you, but it's actually straight. And so that's where, you know, Laura, I know you do not like the micro bend um, talk because we want a straight, we want a straight joint, but we don't really ever want to lock out. Um, so there's mm-hmm. a big, yeah. I like to think soft yeah. Microbend, I've avoided that word because that's such a yoga term. And so people like when they hear microbend, they just go too much of a bend. And what we want is that, yeah, stacking of the joint and that for the hyperextended joint, it will feel bent. Like you're just trying to soften that connection. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. straight, straight, but soft. So, mm-hmm. you know, working those unnatural positions that are unnatural to you uh, will really build your body's other systems. So you've got the passive restraint, but we also have a lot of active restraints that are probably being underutilized for you. So stretch reflex of your muscles, um, even the fascia and the skin, you know, skin, but, but it's that proximal stabilizing musculature that will get challenged for you and will really begin to increase your feedback and, and, and your, just your global strength in, in general to help you not sink into that. And it's really, really neat as a lit instructor to watch people as they transition out of that sinkiness and sinkiness is what they're going into their natural hypermobility. When they start to come out of that and they, they bend, but they soften the joint. So they get straight, but soft. They are shit. They're trembling because they're so weak. They've never had to use that active restraint. And then to see over time, they get stronger. They get stronger throughout the body. You can almost see the confidence lift in a way that, because they're doing it actively, you know, and, and there is, there's joy in that. There's joy in knowing that you are producing strength to stabilize as opposed to ever just hanging out. So, you know, that would be my recommendation is to really, for you, it's going to feel bent, but you can use, you know, your video on your phone to give you feedback. You can use a mirror in the short term while, because you might not be able to feel that yet. So you might need to use a mirror and look to see I'm actually straight, even though I feel bent and then just work stability there. Single leg work, 
uh, before you start to move into, or even just double leg stance, double on, you know, down dog, et cetera, even quadruped where you're finding, do maybe some serratus puffs while you're in that, not, not responding through the elbow, but keeping the elbow in that straight position while you move other joints around it. There's a lot of fun you can have to work that stability before you move on to more dynamic poses. What else do you have to say about that, Laura? Well, this just brings up a cue I've been using a lot more lately, and it really started with private. This is actually, I mean, we're, you know, we've been teaching long enough. We've been physical therapists. There's, these cues are always within us, but sometimes we bring them up more because it's like we have so like many people we've seen who need it. So a cue I've been using a lot more and people have been writing me about it. They're like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard you maybe say it in that way. And that, a lot of it has to do with, I saw it so much with people that I was working privates with and realizing now like everybody needs it. And that is at the forearms, not spinning them. So I have found with people who are hyper extending in their elbows, it is their scapula muscles, their scapula stabilizers aren't performing. So they kind of like sink and then lock out that elbow forward. And like you were saying, look above and below and how you can stabilize. So above would be at the shoulder. Like how are you holding the scapula neutral in, in quadruped or in plank? And then, because that's usually where it's going to happen, when the shoulder is directly over the wrist. You sometimes will see some hyperextension in down dog. That's usually happening from the swivel of the forearms. It's like somebody's just kind of sunk into the elbow and then let the forearm swivel. So what I mean by keeping the rigidity in the forearm is the forearm is a compo- composed of two bones, just like our lower leg. But how it's different than our lower leg is our two bones don't swivel. They have to provide the stability of weight-bearing as bipedal people. But where we have become different in our um, primateness and, uh, is that we have the ability to manipulate objects. And the, the way we do that is our ability to swivel our forearm. We can grab something, bring it up to our mouth. You know, that is the, that is the swiveling of the forearm that allows that. So we want that. Think of that. You do want that. So there are people who are rigid in here. You need the you need the, um, the the movement of the forearm. You want the interosseous, the fascia in between, not to be too rigid. So you're you, you know it's it's uh, restricted, but you also want it in weight bearing to not swivel because when you swivel in weight bearing, it will turn the the upper forearm and then into the lower um, humeral humeral side at the elbow. It'll turn it and push it forward. So all the cues about pointing your elbows forward or back, don't even think about that. Think about hold the forearm steady, don't allow it to swivel, and then hold the scapula on the back ribs steady. And I bet you'll find that you will be less, you will be less able to hyperextend. It'll probably still be there because once you've gotten that, uh, loosened those passive restraints by going into hyperextension a lot, you're going to have to, in your brain, think soft elbow. Uh, but that would be the other thing I would definitely add is watch the swiveling of the forearm. Watch how you're weight bearing. If you're weight bearing a lot on your pinky side, you're probably swiveling that, that forearm and locking out the elbow forward. So then that'll lead to wrist stuff. And, you know, so it, like KB said, stabilize below the joint, above the joint, and then just think of that joint 
stacking in a soft way, not in a locking way um, that kind of takes you out of the, especially the proximal side of it. That might've been a lot of uh, biomechanics, but- It's a lot of work. Get back to us. Yeah, yeah. It really really makes a difference. And it doesn't mean you're not going to swivel some. Like somebody's like, oh my gosh, that cue is great, but I find that I'm Mine swivels a little bit when I handstand. It's going to. That's like it's gonna. It's gonna. You know, because it's kind of getting a little not as stable, and then you just come back to it. And and so it's not a matter of like lock in and never move it, but especially in the places where you also have other things on the ground, like your knees or your feet, you you're able to really uh, practice it there. All right. So Ladinan asks, I somehow developed groin pain when running. I think it's more of a hip flexor issue. Tips, you as a runner, you want to start there? Yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> so why don't you first explain, I'm sure there's lots for our listeners who know what we mean by groin, but I think it is good to just go over because groin, sometimes you just think like yeah. inner thighs. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I mean, she she could be describing one of two things, I would guess. You know, you know we have the pubic area, so we, we our our a pelvis is basically three bones. We have two bones in the side and one in the back, but where the two bones, in the side come together in the front is called your, your pubic area uh, and your pubic synthesis. So as a female, I think she was a female, um, she is a female, you know, and running, especially around, let me go back to the groin. So there's the, sorry, I kind of got off topic there. I was getting ready to, to discuss, but that can be considered the groin, but it can also be coming down the inside of the leg. Um, that kind of upper inner thigh is synonymous with groin. Those are your adductor muscles. They attach at that pubic bone near the symphysis, and then they come down and they move your legs together. And so when we're running, especially, you know, the foot as it, you know, at heel strike and then going through mid stance to push off, there's this kind of supination or pronation and supination that's occurring. And that's going to go all the way up the chain. So especially in women, you know, we tend to have a wider pelvis than men, which can give us a more of a tendency to drop in at the knees, which can mean there's a lot that's going on even all the way up at the groin to control what's happening down at the foot, you know? So if she's an overpronator, is she trying to control that all the way up at the pelvis? Is she running around her period the first couple of days or the days leading up where she's got a lot of um, hormones that are loosening, making that more lax? Has she had children? Is it already more lax to start? I have found in my own personal running, when I had groin issues. And even with standing or even, um, it was because my, my core was weak as well. It really had not much to do at all about what was going on my foot because I, I don't wear orthotics. I used to way back in the day, but as my core has gotten stronger and by core, I mean, my abdominals, my glutes, I have to do less controlling of the lower extremities. So that groin is not trying to balance my pelvis as much. It's better balanced because everything else is doing the work. And the reason I know that people overuse their groin muscles, their adductors is most people are rock hard, tight there. Those groin muscles are on almost constant tone, trying to stabilize the pelvis. And then you put running on top of it, where now it is a dynamic, repetitive, um, process that this, 
the pelvis wants to try to stay steady, but it's has a much harder time if we don't have that core control. So before I would give you, now there's the feel good stuff of stretch, massage. I would say, let's look at your core. Let's look at your glutes. Let's look at your glute mead and men on the outside. You know, why is that inner thigh bothering you? Is it a muscle thing? Is it a, a, a joint referred pain? If I had to guess, it is something going on in your mechanics, in your pelvis, maybe down at your foot too, but I would guess that you're underperforming in your core, in your abdominals, in your obliques. You know, your obliques on one side are going to directly affect the adductor, the groin on the opposite side. You know, is it overworking? Is it underworking? You know, why is it bothering you? And that can be I mean, as a physical therapist, as a kind of a, as we call ourselves movement specialists, that's a blast for us to try to figure out, you know, what's going on. I have people send me videos of slow motion running. I'm watching what's happening in mechanics. And then we test their strength. And there really is a story being told by the pain being located in your adductor. What else do you know about that, Laura? Uh, yeah, well, the fact that she was also mentioning her hip flexors. So I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Like, if you are having pain, tightness, whatever, we almost always have to go back to, like you said, you could do the feel good stuff, but most likely you need stable, you need dynamic stability. So what, so if you are, if your pelvis say is tipped forward, just imagine a bowl that's tipping forward, the energy load is going forward, right? It's going, so your hips are trying to stabilize that pelvis going forward, that would be right at your hip flexors going down into your groin area. And then you're just, you know, you're running and, and you need that dynamic stability. So the, yeah, I would go right into like, what is going on inside the bowl of your pelvis? Are your, are your pelvic core muscles strong and adaptable? Is your SI joint, is it, you know, anytime you go into your inner groin, go up and around into your SI joint. Are you tipped and that's getting compressed, but you're just feeling it down in the adductors? Those are really often hand in hand. And if you think about like the SI joint is a shock absorption area, the goal in any kind of movement is to return as much of that energy back into the body, but especially in running. People who are very successful at running, meaning they can go fast, they can go long, and they're not getting injured, they are, yes, they might be genetically predisposed, but they're also returning that energy more into their body to go into the movement versus losing that energy, which puts more demand on their body and gets you more tired, you're less efficient, and then you're more prone to these kind of imbalance overuse injuries. So when you're running, I would encourage you to really examine like, are you holding yourself? And as you go forward, can you move that, land that foot, but feel that energy coming back up and not getting like, moved forward and like the pelvis is just going forward without any of the, so think of upward return of energy. Like you're trying, like you're jumping on a trampoline, right? We don't want to jump down and then it'd be like, you know, it's like, we want to jump down to go back up. And that's how running is. That's how a lot of our movement is. But my guess would be you really, you know, work on your core stability, work on your hip mobility, work on a neutral pelvis, because my gut would say that your pelvis is tipping forward, which, you know, you're moving forward but you don't have to tip your pelvis as you're moving forward. I would hinge at the hips and the trunk before I would tip the pelvis. 
uh, because that means you're probably not using your glutes as well. And you might be overusing your low back and those hip flexors. And they're both trying to move and stabilize you. And that's very hard to do both well. (laughs) So pulls on the groin, look at the foot. There's so many things. Like KB said, I mean, this is just the opening of the can. uh, But those are the initial thoughts. Like you probably need to be stabilizing more, even though you're feeling it in the sense of it's sore or tight or whatever. Tightness is, is usually a sign of weakness. Love it. All right, my friends. Yeah, we should do a whole running clinic. Well, as always, why don't you send us off, my darling KB? All right. Well, you know that you can always send us your questions either to our email at support at lityoga.com or it's very easy to DM us on Instagram. I am kbwilliams99. And you can find Laura. I am laura.hyman. And we love getting your answers. I mean, we love getting your questions and attempting to answer them. As always, you know, we are here giving kind of free advice. So don't ever just take it with a grain of salt be critical thinkers yourself. So we're just giving the, giving the best advice we can based on our years of experience, but let us help you in any way we can. So thank you. And as always, we are pulling for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.